Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer noob, rock in America. Soccer noob, rock in America. Feature a person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 100. Ooh, can you believe we made it to 100? No. <laughs> no, like you literally can't believe? You think I've been skipping numbers? Yes. No, I haven't. We did 98 episodes that we made in podcast form. Two of the episodes, because of time constraints, um, I did them by Twitter thread. And there were two weeks where we didn't do episodes uh, fairly early on where we just had to be off because we were you know, on trips or, you know, I, you know, for various reasons, but yes, we really are on episode 100. Are you ready for the big party episode? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, listeners, you've gotten to hear the wild and woolly theme song. So what else is a coming? Well, as always, Hey, just cause it's episode hundred doesn't mean we're not going to do our regular thing too. Yeah. Many previews of the 10 Ooh. most intriguing matches in the world. But as we define that, do we do that the same as everybody else? No. No, we're a great change of pace podcast. We're going to do uh, top league and tournament matches uh, from leagues big and small. We'll go anywhere in the world, places other podcasts. Uh, Quite frankly, just don't go. If it's a top two matchup or a big uh, international matchup, there's a pretty good chance that it's on our radar. Uh, We're going to cover, as always, Matches from Friday through Thursday. So this episode is going to be September 9th through 15th. Uh, we're also going to do our three bonus matches. Uh, we're going to do uh, jokes from the Jelly Jar segment, me and Person Noob. And by the way, for those who are brand new, I'm Soccer Noob. I'm fairly new to following soccer, 100 episodes in now. This is my daughter, Person Noob. How old are you? I'm 10. No, that doesn't sound right. You're like eight still, right? No, I'm 10. 10? Did I miss a couple birthdays? No. I mean, we've been here the whole time. You can't be 10 already. You're growing up too fast. I'm in fifth grade, Dad. Yeah, and you host the show with me, my little fifth grader, and we yeah. do a great job together. I hope, I think, well, I don't hope, but I think we're right. the only daddy-daughter soccer podcast yeah. out there. Oh, yeah. And we appreciate, the people appreciate what we are doing and have stuck through it and stuck with us through a hundred of these. Also, we've got a... Capital B big announcement coming. You know what? Let's not even wait. Uh, Let's do it now. Yeah. What do you think? Okay. Now, um, I put out a poll earlier this week uh, just for fun on Twitter asking uh, what you, the listeners and followers, uh, either thought that uh, the big announcement might be or uh, what you wanted it to be. Now, uh, until near the very end of when the poll was out, uh, P-Noob, guess what was in the lead? People thought or wanted the big announcement to be that you were taking over as the lead host of the show. Nice. <laughs> nice. If you take over as the lead host, can I still be your co-host? Yeah. Okay, but that's not the big announcement, is it? No. Nope. 
Nope. But you know what overtook that? Uh, beat you by one vote as lead host. What got the most votes? Cake. Cake. But the big announcement was we were going to have cake to celebrate episode 100. And earlier today, I tried to make one, but I failed. So we decided we're going to buy one instead. I, well, yeah, I, I don't think failed is quite the right word. But, you know, I was fail. doing this stuff. I'm not an expert in the kitchen. Fail. And, you know, I'd be kitchen noob as well. And, you know, mommy wasn't here. And we weren't sure about some things with the type of cake pan we we're using and whether or not we needed parchment paper and, and things like that. So we decided to wait on cake. But still, we'll have a cake party to celebrate the fact that we got through a hundred of these, and it's going to be awesome. So, what is the big announcement? It it was one that nobody voted for. It was so it sounded so implausible, apparently, that nobody thought it could be true. You want to tell him, Daddy got a new job. Yeah, I'm going to be the play-by-play guy for the Premier League, but not the Premier League in England. I'm going to be doing some of the games for where? I don't remember what it's called. Isle of Sodor Premier League. Yay! Yeah, it's not exactly English soccer. It's not part of the county system like like Jersey or uh, Isle of Man, although uh, as as a uh, somebody who's got family lineage, lineage in Sodor, I will tell you, we do not like the Manx. The Isle of Man... We don't like we don't like the people from there. You know what we tell them? They can sit on it. They can stow it. Fruit them. We don't like the people from the Isle of Man. We think they're we think they're rude and not nice and stuff like that. Anyway, but that's not really so I'm gonna be doing some of the play by play, just local broadcasts over there. And um, I'm also kind of gonna be basically their sole international uh journo. Uh so you know, I'll obviously be doing some reports on this particular show of how things are going over there. And I think it's going to be really, really fun. I was hoping to get the gig as the uh, Lexington, Kentucky, a Lexington SC play-by-play guy. Uh, but I really haven't found anything yet on how to apply for that or what they're doing media-wise, because that's not really far from where we live. But, um, you know, I've got connections to Sodor, saw that they were going to be uh, restarting their league after two years off. And they'd only done uh, one or two seasons that were even organized before that. There really had been no football association, just sort of some loosely constructed leagues, you know, in the in the decades uh, going on before that. But uh, the FA is back in action. Now the COVID's under control. And I'm going to be helping out on the Isle of Sodor. And you got to visit on one of my two trips when I interviewed, didn't you? What did you think? Uh, it was very pretty, and, and and yeah, it was just pretty. Oh, and there were uh, there were a few trains there, and they were so pretty, but they didn't talk. Yeah, not like on the TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the yeah, cartoon or animated talk. show has them talking, but the, I mean, sometimes the conductor talks over the PA system on the trains, but that's not really the same, is it? We got to go pretty much everywhere by train. We hardly had to use our uh, rental car at all, except you know. To get to get to the trains. Yeah, to get to the trains. Basically, the trains are everywhere. The public, the public transportation on Soda is very, very nice. Yeah, we so we had a great time, and uh, I'm hoping that you'll want to come with me once in a while uh, when I go up to uh, do the games. I don't know if they'll allow you to help or not, but when they uh, they know you're my co-host, so maybe they'll allow you to uh, help in some way, share form. Would that be cool? Yeah. Top flight soccer in a um, not exactly a country. But, you know, Sodor is what it is out there off the west coast of England. So it should be pretty awesome. I'm going to be their sole international journo as well. And we do have one other thing coming as well, independent of that. 
In fact, let's get into it right now before we get into We'll go straight from this into match number one. Uh, Personoob is going to improvise an episode 100 celebration song on her ukulele. She's ukulele new, but she's been at it for a couple of months now. She's getting better every day, aren't you? Yeah. All right. You ready to rock and roll? Yeah. A hundred episodes. We got a bunch of stuff that no one else has because we are the best. We got socket talk. We got sandwiches that are the best. Discovering new things. We're going to steal your mailbag, tell you jokes. And we even got my grandpa as a naked guy at a baseball game. Oh, yeah. This show is unique. Just like everyone. So we are really cool. So check us out. We also sponsor Subway. Really good sandwiches, by the way. And it's all cool. We are cool. And you are too. So come on down to the only good soccer podcast unique in town. Yay! March number one! The tiniest bit into how the sausage gets made. Longer time listeners, you may have noticed that we have not been covering the Western European leagues, the biggest ones in the world for all intents and purposes. You know, uh, Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga, all of that stuff. The reason for that is that we're looking for high stakes matches, and we don't consider anything to even be potentially truly high stakes until we're at least a few matches into the season. Until every team has played at least five, we don't cover it. This is the first week that we were going to be able to cover a Premier League match. And there was a great one scheduled to be going on with Manchester City playing host to noob-dreaded Tottenham Hotspur. But we will not uh, lay waste to the reputation and not-so-good name of Tottenham Hotspur this particular time like we normally would. Out of respect to all of our listeners who are uh, European and specifically English footy fans out of respect for the passing of the mum queen. We're very sorry, of course, like most everybody else to hear of the news. What a great life. They of course postponed all of the matches at every competitive level all over England. So we don't have a mini preview for this. We hope to catch it again next time. Of course. Match number B. No Friday matches have been quite shiny or high stakes enough to catch Team Noob's attention, so match number one was scheduled to be a Saturday match. Match number B, and thank you, Person Noob, as always, even as we've been doing it for so, so many episodes, reminding the folks that number two, yuck, it remains bathroom talk. The polite way to go is now number B. Listen to it in action. Match number B is our feature Major League Soccer match of the week. We're going to take it. Look at number seven in the Western Conference, Portland Timbers, and they are taking on number five, Minnesota. So for any newer fans who might not be familiar, there are two conferences in Major League Soccer, East and West, 13 or 14 teams each. The top seven will all make the playoffs. And by the way, while these two will not be competing for it, almost certainly as we're near the end of the Major League Soccer regular season, the teams that win the Eastern and Western Conferences, they will get buys straight into the quarterfinals. Now, let's take a look at the table as things stand down where these two are right on that playoff line pretty much. 
Minnesota, they lead Portland by two points in the table, and they trail number four, Nashville, by one. If they can get that high, they would get to host a playoff game, albeit in the first round. Minnesota lead number eight, LA Galaxy, by three. So a nice lead since you get three points for a win, but hardly insurmountable for the LA Galaxy. Hence the reason this is a big, big match. And you can watch it on Bally Sports or ESPN Plus, 10 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday. We'll talk about Portland first. Specifically, they play out of the town or township of Goose Hollow at the southwest of the metro. That's where you'll find Providence Park, which seats 25,000. And boy, they filled most of that up or maybe all of it up every single match. The Timbers have won one league title before. To get the league title, by the way, you don't win the regular season. For that, you get what's called the Supporters' Shield. To win the league, truly, you have to win the playoffs. They have done that once. Last year, they finished in fifth place, made it all the way to the final, and then ended up losing. So they are anxious to get back. You can especially tell by their offensive play. Not offensive isn't bad, though. They have the number three offense in the West, scoring over one and a half goals per match. The defense, though, is the reason that they are still hardly guaranteed a playoff spot. They give up more than one and a half goals per match. They have the seventh best overall goal differential, goals for versus goals against. I think they're going to make the playoffs, but just barely. I'm not sure I put money on it. Best player they have going, if not necessarily one of the stars everybody else talks about, is their left back, believe it or not, one of their defenders, Argentinian-born Claudio Bravo. He's got an assist on the year, and he is just consistent as could be. Look for Minnesota's attack to go away from this guy. He has made no errors leading to directly to goals on the entire season. He's a solid passer, tackles at a 62% rate, which is really solid, if not all-time great. His numbers on clearances and interceptions are also very good. He doesn't take any minutes off. And he's made eight appearances for the Argentinian men's national team back when he was at the youth level, U23. He is 25 now, so it doesn't look like he uh, is quite passing muster to make the Argentinian national team, but who knows what the future holds. Now, red hot for them is late. All the offensive side has been their Colombian 22-year-old right winger, Santiago Moreno. Might be Moreno. I can't tell with my notes here. In any case, he's got six goals and five assists on the season, and a lot of those of late. The team's current form, they are trending the right way for the playoffs with three straight wins and a 6-3 and three goal differential over that stretch. Although it is worth noting, they didn't get any shutouts over that period, or what many in the soccer world will call the goalie has not had any clean sheets. And now coming to town to try to climb in the table are the Loons of Minnesota United. Last year, they finished in fifth place in the West, but they bowed out in the first round of the playoffs. They have never finished higher than fourth place. They did that in 2020. That's tied for the best they've ever done. Uh, They're a pretty consistent team. And uh, unfortunately for them, I think that they're just not quite good enough in their consistency to probably make the playoffs. Their goal differential is sixth best, but Their offense really isn't quite good enough to make up for their uh, eighth best or slightly below average defense. They score and give up one and a half goals per match. Best player that they have got going by far on the year, in my opinion, is Emmanuel Reynoso, another Argentinian. He plays attacking midfielder for them. Ten goals on the year, just off the leaderboard for the entire league, but he's got four assists to go with it to boot. Uh, Other than that, really his stats are just good, hardly great otherwise, but... When you've got somebody in an attacking position, you want 
that net finding, and that is what he brings. Now, if Minnesota are not able to get it done on the road, it might be because of their center back, the heart of the defense. They've got a 34-year-old from New Zealand named Michael Boxall. He has just not been getting it done of late. His season stats cumulatively look okay, but he recently had an own goal and just hasn't really been getting it done on the, the clearances and the interceptions the last couple of matches. He came over, by the way, interestingly, from Super Sport United. Interesting place for an American team to get somebody from because they are in South Africa. It nabbed him in 2017. Team's current form, they have lost two straight matches. Match number three. One more Saturday match, and we head to the Far East Japan's top flight is the J-League 1, and they are over 80% of the way through the season. High stakes indeed. By the way, this is the second most highly ranked league within Asia, the AFC, uh, just behind Saudi Arabia. They will get two teams that get to start in the Champions League proper and yet another one that will start in a qualification round. Your matchup is number three, Kawasaki Frontale, taking on number B, uh, San Frecke Hiroshima. Let's take a look at the table. Uh, Yokohama F. Marinos were running away with this league earlier in the season, but they have uh, not quite collapsed, but uh, close enough for horseshoes and hand grenades. They have 52 points. uh, And to be fair, they have two matches in hand on both these teams. They've played two fewer matches so far. Nevertheless, just behind them, uh, Hiroshima have 50 points, two points back. And one more point back is where we find Kawasaki. So again, high stakes. But that's all that we're going to find out about the details of the match. No specific mini-match preview at this time because we want to check in with Noob Stradamus. It's been a few weeks. Our 3,500-year-old in-house prognosticator who has mighty visions in order to help us know how to gamble on these games. So that way, amongst other things, I can pay for person Noob to go to college maybe someday. So let's cheat and check in with our... 3,500-year-old soothsayer. Take it away, my good man. Noob Shadamus has been off for a few episodes, so I went to the Thracian plains of Greece to pay a visit. Very Thracy. Very greasy. Anyway, everything's kosher. Just a late summer break for him. Here's the vision he had for us, which I have transcribed. Be pleased. Your gift package of fresca has once again reached me in this remote place, and it quenches the bum of lotus leaf I've been smoking. You need a soccer score? Then I travel once again through space and time. Whee! The blackness recedes and my vision is upon me. I'm standing over a large open tomb. Though it may be unmarked, I know it's mine. Strange. Given that I feel like a younger man again here, hmm, perhaps not even quite 3,000 years old. Surrounded by beams of earth that will make a mound over my grave, I begin to understand. This opening must be 600 feet long, and it's keyhole shaped. This is a coffin. This is a mighty vision, and there is great power in both death and its imminence. I stand in what you would know as Nakaharaku. One of the seven wards of present-day Kawasaki, the period of time, also known as Kofun, is one you should know, as history was just beginning to be recorded and written here. 
The size and shape of the tomb declare, I am being done great honor. These are typically only used for people of the ruling class of the stag. The largest and likely last ever was built for Emperor Kiati, one of the last rulers of this era. I knew him well in life, having been a close advisor for a time. When he ascended into his title, many of the substantial power was not pleased. It took him 20 years to be able to re-enter his own city. 20, 2 and 0. Noob, as the vision fades, I know that Kowalski will win today. 2 to 0. I have seen and I have spoken. Wee! Match number 4. We flip the calendar page to Sunday and head to the country of Montenegro. Not overly familiar. That's okay. It's in Southeast Europe. And uh, I suppose they might consider it a microstate. It's only got a population of about 650,000, the entire nation. Their top flight is called the First League. And they are ranked to number 54 out of 55 of all the leagues over in Europe. Or, for our brand newest fans, UEFA. Now, every country... There, even the bottom one, San Marino, the tiny little microstate that is enclaved within Italy, and including Montenegro, of course, gets to send their champion to the Champions League. The Champions League, by the way, again, for our brand newest listeners, is the tournament for all the champions of all the leagues, so they're qualifying to play in that next year. The biggest and best of the countries in Europe will get to send more than one team. Not a country like Montenegro, but their runner-up, we'll get to go to something called the Europa Conference League, which is the third biggest of those Champions League-type tournaments. In any case, why are we looking at the number 54-ranked league? Well, a lot of people would say it's not very high stakes, that it would be impossible for a match from there to matter, but it matters where it's being played. And even though it's fairly early in the season, for Team Noob, it doesn't get any shinier just about, than a three-way tie on top of the table for points. These teams are only separated by goal differential. So we're going to look at number three, Yezero, J-E-Z-E-R-O, taking on uh, Budushnost Podgorica. <laughs> yes, I had to practice those a bunch, and I'm still only hoping that I got them right. And again, those are two of the three teams that are all tied on points and there are three other teams that are just either one or two points back. So there is quite a race going early on. The series between these two, uh, I'm just going to refer to them as Badushnos or BP, let's call them. They have accrued a 5-0-3 record over, record over time. Nevertheless, we will start with the other team, Yezero. They are the animals. Hey, why pick a specific one when you could just be that general? 2008-2009 season was their first year playing in the top flight, even though they are not that young of a club. This is their third straight year now playing in the top flight. They have been down in the second division of their country before that. That pretty much wraps up the only years that they have ever been in the top flight. So they are having quite a start to their season. Uh, they played a stadium that's got a capacity of 2,500 called Stadion. Pod uh, Racinome, I'm going to pronounce it. And by the way, uh, Yezero means lake. Uh, they play in the town of Plav. So basically the club is called uh, Lake Plav FC. Uh, it's only got about 3,700 people there in the city proper, 9,000 overall in the, in the municipality of the same of the same name. It's in the far east of their little country. And it is almost an entirely Muslim area, interestingly. 
Last year, they finished at about the middle of the table at number six. This year, the offense is where they're buttering their bread a little bit more. They're scoring over one and a half goals per game. That puts them in third place in offense. The defense is only average at best. They've got the fourth best overall goal differential. Honestly, I don't think this is a team that's probably going to be able to hold up over time. But if they were to prove me wrong, this would be a great day to start defending their home turf. Helping them in that cause, tied for number one in league scoring early on with five already, is Mendy Mamadou, their 23-year-old uh, Senegalese attacker. Although I, I found conflicting information. One, one source says that he is still there, and another one says that he moved on to a club uh, elsewhere in the league called Petrovac in June. So that's a little bit confusing. I hope they've still got him. Uh, team form, uh, they had a 1-2 loss at last place. Number 10, Iskra, that snapped a four-match unbeaten streak. Otherwise, they'd be in first place. And now BP, they are known as the Barbarians. Uh, the supporters group, or one of their main supporters groups of fans, uh, is known by that same name, and they are very, very violent. Hooligan in the extreme. Uh, by the way, Podgorica is the capital city. Uh, Budishnost means future. And while you won't see a lot of teams called like Future FC, you will see that the further you get towards this part of the world. In fact, there's a team that changed names in Egypt, for example, to Future FC just this year or the year before. Anyway, BP. Uh, they have five league titles since this league was founded in 2006 in its current form. They most recently won it two years ago, and they've been in the top two in all but one of the seasons of the league's existence. This year, they were playing in that Europa Conference League in the second qualifying round. They lost to uh, Breda Blick, a very good Icelandic team. 2010-2011, they made the third qualifying round of the Europa League. That's the second best uh, international club tournament for our newest listeners. And that is the best they have ever done internationally. Last year, they finished in second place in the league. This year, they've got the second best offense, scoring almost two goals per match. And they're tied for having the second best defense, uh, scoring ex or rather conceding only one per match. With four goals on the year so far is Stefan Milosevic, their center forward. He is tied at number five, or rather he's all alone number five for league scoring right now. He's mostly played for yo-yo clubs, teams that kind of tend to float between the first and uh, the second best leagues in their country in uh, places like uh, Belgium and Israel that are much, much stronger leagues. This team's current form, uh, they are unbeaten since having lost their first two matches. Match number five. Trade tables up, seats up, enjoy your peanuts. We're going to take a long flight for match number five for a Sunday match in the Premier League of Fiji. Yes, Jets setting all the way down to the South Pacific. Fiji is a member of the Oceania Football Confederation. Um, each of the continents, with the obvious exception of Antarctica, have their own continental confederations that countries belong to. Side note that Australia belongs to uh, the Asian Football Confederation these days instead of uh, being a standalone. They actually used to be part of this one too, Oceania. Anyway, the Fijian Premier League is rated just number five out of the 11 countries that have leagues there in the South Pacific that are rated by FIFA. That, according to a website I like, called Kick Algorithms. In any case, they do have their own Champions League, as do all continental confederations, and the top two finishers will get to go to that. Here's how the table looks, and uh, this is the last match for a couple of the teams. Uh, Lautoka, 
which is one of the teams we're going to talk about today. They have 32. Rewa, they also have 32 points, and they have a match in hand, meaning that they have two matches left, not just one. So advantage them. Suva have 29 points, as does Nadi, N-A-D-I. So they're only three points or one win back. Suva also has a match in hand on Lautoka. Nadi does not. So in any case, the match that we're going to look at is number B, Rewa in the standings, taking on number one, Lautoka. So since Lautoka only has one match left to play, they really need to get some kind of result, a win or a tie, a.k.a. a draw from this match. Right now, Latuka, Latoka rather, are ahead, but by just two on goal differential. As always, though, we will talk about the hosts first from Rewa. They are known as the Delta Tigers and are semi-professional, as I believe is probably the case for most of the teams in this country. They play out of the city of Nausore, which is the fourth biggest in Fiji, has about 60,000 people. And it's only a little over 10 miles away from the capital city of Suva. They have played a place that I will probably mispronounce, Ratu uh, Kakobao Park that holds 8,000 people. They have never won the Fijian League title, but they have won something called the Battle of the Giants, which is sort of a separate type of tournament, a little bit less important uh, for all the teams in this league. And they've won that four times in the last eight years. But when it really matters, they haven't been able to get it done. Maybe this will be the first time. They have gotten to go to the Champions League once for the AOFC. Uh, In 2017, they made the group stage, and they finished last there. Last year, they finished in second place in this league. This year, they're undefeated, and they're the only undefeated team. But half of their 16 managers... Matches, they've only gotten draws. They have a very strange record, 8-8-0. They've only got a very average offense for this league, 1.5 goals. Uh, The defense is the best by miles, though. They only average giving up uh, three goals every four matches. Team's current form, they just lost an added extra time. Think of that as overtime to number six, Labasa. But that wasn't in league play. That was in the Battle of the Giants. And now... Latoka, uh, that is uh, not only the name of the club, but the second biggest city in the country. It's in the western part, about 70,000. It's nicknamed Sugar City. Just love it. Uh, there's a big company there that's still the biggest employer, even after having been in existence for over 100 years. I believe it's called the Colonial Sugar Something Factory. I can't remember for sure. It was built by workers from India and the Solomon Islands. Interestingly, not locals. Uh, The city, because of that influx of foreigners, is still to this day very culturally unique, especially the music scene. It's very jazz influenced, which is not the case for the rest of the island. Anyway, back to the footy. I love their crest. They have a soccer ball that fills the entire main portion of the crest. But what's weird is that there are these green spindly shapes that come out of the background. That could be sort of representative mountains in the distance and trees much closer up, or they could be spider legs. There's exactly eight of them, and given where they come out on this circle, their nickname isn't the spiders, but maybe it should be. Anyway, they've won the league title six different times and are the defending champions. These are your uh, current powers in the league. 2018, they finished in second place in the OFC Champions League. That's the best they've ever done. And then 2019, that was the last appearance for them in the Champions League. They did not get to advance after finishing third place or second to last in that group stage. This year, they are getting it done on offense. Number one team in the league, scoring over two goals per match. But the defense uh, has is 
been only average. They're in fifth place in that regard, giving up one and a half goals per match. That's the reason they haven't been able to run away with this league again. Team's current form, uh, they are 10-1-1 and over their last many matches, but only 1-1-1 and across all competitions in their last three. Ninety-nine times gone by already, and still these cats. They want to hear nothing about anything but a recap of last week's matches. They shall have it once again. Saturday of last week was match number one from the English FA Cup, what they call the first qualifying round. It's really the third qualifying round, but who's counting? Well, we are apparently here on Team Noob. In any case, the team that we had adopted as of a couple weeks ago, Midhurst and Eastbourne, they played Chatham Town, who were in level eight, one level up, and it was the end of the road for our team Midhurst and Eastbourne, the Stags, got demolished. Nil six in their own place. Ouch. Match number B from Canada, League One Ontario, a third tier league. They had their playoff final between number one for the regular season, Vaughn Asuri, and number B, Blue Devils. And uh, speaking of demolition, Vaughn Asuri, they won 5 1. I don't think they've lost a match in at least two seasons. Guy we said to look out for for them, Massimo Farron. He had a goal. And the lone goal for the Blue Devils was scored by their offensive star, Taha Ilyas. Match number three was a Sunday match. Yes, we went to Russia for the Premier League. A 1B matchup. Number B, Spartak Moscow, took on number one, Zenit St. Petersburg. And it was Zenith, the road team, getting a 1-2 win. Uh, Malcolm, the singularly named, had an assist on the game-winning goal for Zenith. That knocks Spartak Moscow all the way down to number five. It's early. Monday, match number four from the AFC Cup quarterfinal. Al-Arabi from Kuwait played Al-Sib from Oman, and we had an upset in my opinion. It was Al-Sib winning 1-2. to two. Interestingly, at the end of 90 minutes, uh, the score was nil-nil, so all the goals got scored and added extra time. Tuesday, match number five from the Copa Libertadores semifinal. Leg number two, Paul Myris played host to Atletico Paranaense, and we had a 2-2 draw, which meant on aggregate we had a slight upset with Paranaense, advancing to the final 2-3 overall. For them, one of their stars, uh, Gustavo Scarpa that we mentioned, he had a goal. And for the losing side of Paul Myers, player we also mentioned, David Terrans had a goal. Match number six from the UEFA Champions League opening of the group stage. Benfica played Mac- Maccabee Haifa, and the result was a win for the home Portuguese side. 2-0 Benfica. Match number seven from UEFA's Women's World Cup qualifying stage, the very end of it. Number B in their group, Wales, took on number three, Slovenia, only needing a result, a draw or a win, either would do. They played to a nil-nil draw and advanced to the playoff round as the second place finisher from their group. One more win and they will be in the World Cup in 2023. Wednesday, match number eight, the U.S. Open Cup, our country's FA Cup. They had the final. Orlando City took on a second division, USL Championship, Sacramento Republic, but it was the end of the fairy tale for Sacktown as Orlando won 3-0 handily. Thursday, match number nine from UEFA's Europa League group stage. As that started up, Union Berlin from Germany took on Union St. Gilois from Belgium, and it was their first international win in 58 years. St. Gilois won 0-1 on the road. Match number 10 from UEFA's Europa Conference League start of the group stage. Kosovo's Balkani took on CR Cluj from Romania, and it played to a 1-1 draw. And then bonus matches with explanations coming later. Saturday, 
was our round of the week, a first versus last place matchup from the Yokari Liga in Turkmenistan. Number eight, uh, Nebuchi took on number one, a hall, and it was a hall getting a 1-4 win. Good job on the winning for that one. That was quite a route. The most meaningless match in the world was from the Premier League of Kazakhstan last Sunday. Number nine, Atero took on number eight, uh, Kaspi Aktau, and it was Atero getting a 3-2 win. They came back from being down 0-2 with all their goals scored in the second half. For the winning side, player we uh, said would do quite well and did, Andrea Filipovic scored the last two goals, so he had the game winner. These two merely switched places in the middle of the table. And then finally, your match of Disappointed, another Sunday match from the Maestra Liga of Estonia. Last place, number 10, Parnu JK Vapress played. Number 9, TJK Legion, and it was Legion getting a no one. Road win. No change in the table there. They are still very disappointing to us. And that concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back to mini previewing the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. I don't know if it's close enough to say we're exactly sliding on over, but this is maybe as close a place as we could go to Fiji to find a high-stakes football match. Say hello to the Australian FA Cup where they've reached the semifinals. Now, if you're a newer fan of the sport, you might be saying, noob, I don't know what FA Cup means. Well, FA is Football Association, just an organization that runs everything in the country. Cup tournaments differ from league tournaments. Let's take the one in England, for example. A league tournament is exactly what you think. Everybody plays everybody. Usually it's something like a double round robin. So everybody plays home and away once each. An FA, an FA Cup is a tournament that's going on at roughly the same time in the overall calendar as the league play is, but it's more like the NCAA men's or women's basketball tournament. It's bracketed. Essentially it's a knockout win, and you advance lose and you go home. That's the big thing, except instead of playing in a neutral site, one of the teams actually is a home match. Now there are three different finals from around the world in uh, not so huge countries, to be perfectly honest. And there were two or rather, no, this was the only one that's in a semifinal stage that caught our attention and we just couldn't help ourselves because one of the fun things about FA cups is they don't just involve teams from the top league. Typically speaking in almost all instances, everywhere, every country in the whole world, they will take teams from the second, third, fourth, the bigger the country, the more leagues they will go down in their pyramid. And in the Australian FA cup semifinals, both matches involve a team from the second tier that play in what they call a state league. Uh, by the way, this didn't used to be the case. The winner of this event is going to get to go to an international tournament, not Asia's Champions League, but their secondary tournament, the AFC Cup. You can catch this match we're going to talk about at 12 a.m. midnight, yeah, Eastern time. And it's Division Two Sydney United 58, taking on top flight team from the A-League in Australia, Brisbane Roar. Uh, I think it was a random draw that determined who the home team was. It's possible that the lower division team, if there is one, always gets to host. That is the case that Sydney United 58 is hosting this match, and we will talk about them first. This is a club that's been around since 1958. They were founded under the name Sydney Croatia. If you're not overly familiar with Australian history. Uh, this may sound surprising or a little bit odd, but it really isn't. There are parts of Australia that uh, were practically founded by Croatians. The immigration numbers there are just huge for Croatia for some reason. Pretty cool that they named it that. 
They don't actually play in Sydney proper. They play in a suburb called uh, Edensor Park. It's actually more of an ex exurb almost. It's actually over uh, 20 miles west of uh, central Sydney, basically. It's a mostly residential area of about 10,000. Now, because they weren't in the A-League, they did not get to start uh, in the quote-unquote event proper, which is where all of the A-League teams got to enter. Teams from lower levels had to play qualifying rounds. So Sydney United 58 had to win four rounds of qualifying matches just to make the event round of 32, and yet here they are all the way in the semifinals. That is quite a run for such a minnow or lower league team. Uh, Brisbane Roar will not be the first top flight team that they play. They had to play, I believe, two rounds ago to play Western United. Yes, it was in the round of 16. Last round, they beat a fellow second division team, a match I actually stayed up late enough to watch in Peninsula Power, which also happens to be from the Brisbane area. We actually covered uh, a match of Peninsula Powers when they beat a team called Green Gully a couple, three weeks ago as well. Anyway, Sydney United 58 uh, last year, or no, this year, their season just ended. They finished number eight of 12 in the New South Wales Premier League, which, by the way, is a semi-professional league. Uh, this year, they're not doing all that well, to be perfectly honest, in league play. It's like they're saving all their energies for the FA Cup. Out of the 12 teams in their league, they are tied for uh, 10th place on offense. Defense is a little bit better in the ordinal rank in that they're tied for 7th, so only a little bit below average. But to be perfectly honest, they're giving up almost two goals per match. So league play bad, FA Cup good for them. On the scoring leaderboard in league play for them, even though overall the team pretty much stinks in that area, nine goals on the season for Christopher Payne. He will be a key player if you stay to watch for if you stay up and watch this one. Interesting little side note on him. Whole career in Australia, except for one year that he spent in India playing in the I-League in East Bengal. That's kind of interesting. Team's current form, they are 4-0-1 over their last five. And now the team that has to be your favorite just because they're in the A-League, Brisbane Roar. They were founded as Hollandia FC. FC. Yes, that has a Holland in the name. And uh, I believe it was Dutch immigrants that probably founded the team. And so their main color is, in fact, orange. They play in Brisbane proper, which is the capital of the state of Queensland in the east central part of the country. They actually play the Moreton Bay region of the town in a township called Kippa Ring. It's an area above 10,000. And it's really cool because uh, it's a hyphenated name and involves two, two words from a local indigenous language. And it means uninitiated man plus ring referring to a Bora ring, which is uh, the, the shape that people are standing in when they go through an initiation ceremony of sorts. Back to the footy. Kind of cool stuff. That's why we like the show, doing it anyway. <laughs> They've won the league title twice. Last time was 2013-14. Uh, they've won the playoffs uh, most recently, 2014. They award two fully separate titles in Australia in that league every single year. Now, here's how things work in the A-League. Only the top eight teams out of their 12 get to start in the main event. The other four teams, of which Brisbane was run. Uh, was one, they have to play a playoff against one of those other four just for the right to get into the round of 32. Last year, Brisbane Roar finished in 11th place, so they had to beat Western City Wanderers and did so 1-3 to three on the road. 
Uh, they've had a pretty easy run of it up to this point. They only had to beat one Division One team so far, uh, their fellow leaguers, Adelaide United, and they beat them 1-2. Interestingly, Brisbane Roar, uh, just luck of the draw, I suppose, they have been the road team for every single match they've played so far. Uh, last year in league play, because the A-League is only just or just about to get started, last year they were 11th place on offense, barely getting over a goal per match. Defense was... Better, but only a little bit below average. And to be perfectly honest, they finished where they deserved. They have the 11th best goal differential. So on the road and not having performed well, at least in league dash last year, I think we have to say the Sydney United 58 have a fighting chance here. Match number seven. After a busy weekend like that, you deserve a day off, so no tracking to be done on Monday. Tuesday, we get back into it. Match number seven brings us to the CONCACAF League, where they've reached the quarterfinal stage, second leg of the two-legged ties. That's a lot to unpack. That's a mouthful, isn't it, person new? Yep. Yep, but you can help with a little bit of this, can't you? Mm-hmm. Now, CONCACAF. Uh, do you know what CONCACAF is? No. CONCACAF is our region here close to home. So it's North America. It's countries in Central America. And then a bunch of the island countries in the Caribbean. It's our home confederation. Now, this is the CONCACAF League. Is this the same thing as a Champions League? No. No. What is the CONCACAF League then? Uh, The feeder tournament for our Champions League. Very good. So, unlike most confederations, we have a secondary tournament uh, through which some teams can qualify. This is almost exclusively a team for uh, the best two or three Central American teams from each country, to be perfectly honest. So, the top six finishers from this tournament will actually qualify. Person who said it's a feeder tournament, she's accurate, for the CONCACAF Champions League. Now, second leg of the two-legged tie. All that means is, unlike an FA Cup where two teams get together, play once, and it's done... They play a little home and away series each time two teams face off in one of these tournaments. So this is the second match of the two match series, basically. So since this is the quarterfinal, this is a really big deal. All the winners of these matches will advance to the CONCACAF Champions League because they'll be in the semifinals, top four. The losers will have their own little mini tournament to determine who are the fifth and sixth place teams. The match we're going to focus on is a dandy. Alajuelense out of Costa Rica, playing Alianza out of El Salvador. The first leg, uh, Alajuelense, who should have been your favorite, uh, they won the first match on the road, nil one. By the way, the winner of this will be playing either uh, Herediano in the semifinals, which is another Costa Rican team, or Real España out of Honduras. We will talk about the home team first, Alajuelense. They are known as the Lions. How do we feel about that person, Noob? Trashy? Yeah. Or tragedy? I couldn't tell which. <laughs> That's right, because every other team in the world is the Lions. Come on, let's 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 be different. Let's be unique, people. Although that other club we talked about earlier, that's just the animals. That might go too far the other way. Anyway, maybe I'm being too picky. They play out of the uh, town of El Llano in the Alajuela province in the north central part of the country, for which the club is named. Interesting uh, geography side note, one of the few indigenous peoples uh, still left in any substantial numbers in this country are in this province. I believe that the people are called the Maleku. Anyway, 30 league titles this team has won. They are one of your historical powers. They last won the title in 2020-2021. They won the CONCACAF Champions League two different times, kind of pre-modern area, if you will, 1986 and 2004. It wasn't long after that that they uh, changed the format. 
They won this event in 2020. They qualified for this year's uh, CONCACAF League by finishing, well, not exactly finishing in third place in their league. I'll explain. Uh, most Spanish-speaking countries break down their season into two separate stages, basically completely different uh, seasons in which they play a single round robin, opening and closing stage, or apertura and clausura. Last year, the Lions of Alajuense didn't win either stage, but they did have the best record of the non-champions. So they did get to, uh, they do get to play in this, but they had to start all the way back in the preliminary round. By the way, their league is ranked number four in all of CONCACAF, according to kick algorithms. Uh, 2022-23, uh, right now they are in the Apertura stage, and this team is in second place of the six clubs in their group. There's a second group that also has six teams. Overall for the whole league, they've got the fourth best offense, defense, and goal differential. Key player to look for, number three league scorer with five already, is Johan Benegas, 33-year-old veteran midfielder who Major League Soccer fans uh, could well recognize his name. He played for Montreal back when they were called the Impact in 2015-16. Team's current form, they have won three straight matches and are unbeaten in their last seven. Alianza, uh, you know, they were the underdog to begin with, and now they have to go on the road for the second leg. Uh, they're really up against it. They are known as the Machine or the Coleman, and uh, they play out of the city of San Pedro Sula, which is the second biggest one in their country, metro area of about one and a half million. It is the biggest industrial city in the country, and you may know this just from general world news over the years. It is a former number one murder capital of the world, not on my bucket list of places to go vacation, even now that they're no longer number one. They have won 12 league titles, been murdering the competition. Bad joke, don't care. Last time they won one was in 2017. In uh, the year 2000, uh, they won the CONCACAF Champions League. Or no, they didn't win it. That was the last time they made an appearance and they got to the quarterfinal. It's possible that that information isn't quite complete. It's a little bit tricky finding stuff on some of these teams. They might have made more recent appearances, but I don't think so. They qualified just like their opponents by getting that third and final uh, berth from their country's league. They did not win either of the stages last year and also had to start in the preliminary round. This year, in their country's Apertura stage in the league, they are currently in sixth places all out of ten. Uh, they're barely scoring over one goal per match. The offense is a little bit better, but only average. Uh, key players to keep an eye on. They've only got two that have scored multiple goals, but I will tell you that they are Jao uh, Benevides and uh, Jason Mejia. They've scored two goals each. Their current form, well, their League One win, uh, or leg one win, rather, in this tournament snapped a two-match losing streak from in-league. Match number eight. Our other Tuesday match comes from the biggest club tournament of them all, Europe's or UEFA's Champions League, where they are now in the quote-unquote event proper. They have reached the group stage. All the qualification rounds are done. All the teams that are remaining have been divided into groups of four. The top two from each group, after they play a double round robin, will advance on to the knockout stage. The number three finishers, their international play will not be done. They will drop down into waiting open slots in the second highest tournament in Europe, the Europa League, as we mentioned earlier. The matchup we're going to focus on is uh, currently last place. By the way, they've only played one game each so far. Victoria Pielsen uh, from the Czech Republic, and they are playing host to number three, Inter Milan, of course, from Italy. Uh, P- 
Pielsen are the second lowest seeded team still alive in the tournament. The very lowest one is uh, Maccabee Haifa. We covered them last week. So we're just kind of moving our way up before these teams fall into true irrelevancy, potentially. Uh, Inter Milan, by the way, they lost their first match just like Pielsen did. They lost to Bayern Munich nil uh, 2 at home. And that's all I'm going to tell you about this particular match because match number eight is when we traditionally take a culture break. Usually we look at food. Sometimes we look at uh, architecture, art, folklore. can be any number of things. We call it our culture break. We don't have a recipe for you per se this time, though there will be some elements of that. And the food that we look at or drink in this particular case, although technically beer is a food, is going to be from uh, the home area. So in this case, the city of Pilsen, which is spelled uh, P-L-Z-E-N, at least in uh, the English language. And it is pronounced Pilsen like Pilsener. Yes, I had just learned, even though I've been aware of the city's existence for some time, that that is where this beer's history starts. In the late 1830s, the people of the city of Pilsen uh, began preferring something called uh, a type of beer called bottom filtered imports as opposed to top filtered imports. Uh, bottom filtering, those kind of beers are prepared. Uh, it takes longer and it's done with a much colder temperature. Now, it turns out that that really doesn't by itself make that big a difference in how the beer turns out as far as the taste. They thought it was for a long time, but it turns out that it happens to be related to the species of the yeast that is being used. But there are still some differences. Now, bottom fermentation more or less got its start in Germany. It is considered a Bavarian style. And uh, so the burghers, uh, which were uh, people that were sort of not quite of the ruling class, but kind of high-end business class, they had the right to conduct certain kind of businesses this time. They hired uh, and brought to Pielsen a Bavarian brewmaster named Josef Grohl. The reason they went there is because the climate in Pilsen is similar to what is in Bohemia. And so you could have uh, ice stored all year round instead of just in the winter. Now for this kind of beer that they were producing here, they used what's called the local soft water. They used an English style kiln and then something that's called Saz, S-A-A-Z type of hops to make the local bill uh, Pilsner called Urkel. Now, Urkel, just for fun, I'll tell you that that means original source or fountainhead, which is pretty cool. It's very mild, very earthy, herbal, and just a little bit spicy, again, while still not being overly strong. That's what separates it uh, from a lot of other traditional types of beers. It's not a good bittering hop. It gives you more of an herbal or a floral taste and a very pale gold color. Basically, the beer that here in America we might be more most familiar with as a Pilsner, think Stella Artois, uh, even though it's Belgian. Now, unfortunately, the brewery no longer exists where this was first made, but certain parts of it were obtained by a brewery that does still exist called Wolferstetter which uh, still produces a, uh, a several Pilsners, and one of them they have named after the founder, essentially, of the style, uh, Josef Grohl. So there is your culture break, a little bit of fun. Beer history makes me thirsty, although I think I would still take mine cold being an American rather than served warm. Jokes from the jelly, I think you're kind of smelly. Jokes from the jelly, jar dad, add to it. I don't know. You called me smelly. I think that theme song is going to stand on its own. 
I don't know why you would say that. It's not like I didn't take my weekly shower recently. Hey, that's <laughs> messed up. <laughs> it might be. Are you ready for us to pull some jokes out of the jelly jar? You smell like you showered two days ago. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think kind of a backhanded compliment. So uh, we still don't really have a sound effect for pulling jokes out of the jelly jar. Well, here's a plastic bag with some uh, melted and then re-coalesced, re-hardened, and then smashed up espresso beans and chocolate, which mommy's going to be thrilled you're having. <laughs> I know. We're going to be up all night. Woo! Party here. Well, let's get, a, let's get it started with jokes from the jelly jar. Are you going to try not to laugh, or are you going to laugh along with them? I'm going to try not to laugh. Okay, try hard. Ready. Hey, you want to, let's start with this. You want to hear a great joke about construction? Sure. Well, you can't. I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't laugh. That's all right. Um, I invented something new, by the way. A new sport. Even better than soccer, maybe. Silent tennis. It's like regular tennis, but without the racket. Okay, that was good. That was good. <laughs> and don't say no racket. I like racquetball. <laughs> why do, uh, why do art artists usually only take showers? Because for some reason, they can't draw a bath with a darn. <laughs> Did you know that phrase to draw a bath? No. no. It's it's a little more Britishy. It means to to run a bath and fill up the tub. Is it funnier now that I've explained it? Jokes usually are. Yes. The textile industry is going through a really rough patch these days. People's jobs are hanging by a thread. Explain. <laughs> you know what textiles are? No. Textiles. It's like a cloth. Thread. Oh. Okay, last one. Why did Miss Piggy divorce her husband? Because he couldn't commit. Okay, she's getting up and leaving. And that is how we do jokes, jokes from the, the jelly. jelly. I think I'm quite a felly. Jokes, jokes in the, the jelly, jelly jar. Match number nine. We're going to give Wednesday a jump. Go right ahead to Thursday for our last two matches, and we're going to remain in Europe. Match number nine is from the secondary international club tournament that we've mentioned at the Europa League. Uh, they are in their group stage as well. Each of the teams has also played one match, just like the Champions League. Only the winners of the groups of four will automatically get to go on to the knockout stage. The second-place finishers will each match up with some other second-place finisher to play it playoff round, and the winners of those will get to go on. Your third-place finishers will get to go, drop down to the tertiary Europa Conference League to waiting spots in their knockout round. Now, the match that we're going to look at, you can watch on Paramount Plus, the CBS Sports Network, at 12.45 Eastern Time on Thursday. We're going to look at number B in the group, Monaco, versus number three, uh, Ferran Svaros out of Hungary. Monaco in their game get in their game beat Red Star Belgrade out of Serbia nil one. Uh, Ferenc Varos got to start at home. They beat Turkish side Trabzonspor three to two in a shootout. Monaco, let's talk about them first. Interestingly, they are owned by a Russian oligarch. Now, so was Chelsea, and uh, the English government basically stepped in and said, "You don't get to own this anymore because uh, you've been helping out uh, Vladimir Putin a whole bunch." 
So I don't know if Monaco isn't bothering or if maybe the Russian oligarch that owns like two thirds of this particular team is not in with Putin. I think the case is the latter from something I read, but I won't claim it for sure. The club is ranked number 61 overall in Europe. Uh, League One, the top flight in uh, France, in which they compete, even though they are their own little micro state, they just have the one club and that's where they compete, is rated number five in all of Europe. And uh, quite frankly, uh, the French League One is getting a little bit worse, or at the very least, the gap is widening between them and the top four. Monaco has won eight league titles. Last time was 2016-2017. They actually went down to Division II briefly a few years ago, came back up in 2013-2014. They uh, finished in second place in the Champions League back in their halcyon days, 2003-2004. That's the best they've ever done. Last year, they did do well enough to make the Europa League and got to the round of 16. They entered the Champions League this year at the third qualifying round as they finished in third place last year, but they lost uh, three to four in a real shootout on the road uh, or overall in aggregate versus PSV Eindhoven, one of the three good teams from the Netherlands. Uh, 2022-23 League One play. They're not that far into the season, but it's still a good indicator on how they're doing, and it's not that great. They're 2-2-2 and in uh, 10th place right in the middle of the table. And uh, the offense and defense, for better or for worse, are largely consistent. They're below average in both regards. They give up almost two goals per match. That's the real problem that they're going to have to overcome. Best player they've had going on the young league season is Caio Enrique, Brazilian left back with two assists on the air. He's creating over one big chance per game on average. So his assists are going to start to really pile up. And he's just 25 years old. One wonders, depending on Monaco's financial situation, you would think they've got a lot of money because it's Monaco, as in the super rich you know, country, but one never knows. And he could end up in a larger league, maybe even before the season is done. This team's current form, they have won two straight. That snapped a five-match losing streak. And now your visitors, Varen Svaras out of Hungary. They play uh, out of that central district of Budapest for which the club is named. It's an area of about 60,000. used to be a really hardcore working-class area, but it's become very much gentrified, very much the hipster district in that town. They are known as the Green Eagles and rated just inside the top 100 in all of Europe for clubs. Their league, which is abbreviated the NBI, I won't even try to speak the Hungarian. It's very, very long, as you might expect. Uh, Again, ranked number 25 in Europe, so just a little bit above average, making them an underdog against a team like they're playing uh, this week in Monaco. They have won their domestic league title 33 times and are the four-time defending champs. There's really nobody else to know from this country right now. Last year, they made the group stage of the Europa League just like this year. This is tied for the best they've ever done. They've never gotten out of the group stage. They actually entered, of course, having won their league in the Champions League. and They got all the way to the playoff round, which is just one match shy of getting into the group stage. That is tied for the best they've ever done in that tournament. To advance to the group stage, they beat Shamrock Rovers out of Ireland 4-1 in the playoff round. 2022-23 NBI, it's very young. They are 5-0-0, though, with a cartoonish 15-1 goal differential. They're going to run away with it again. Uh, They've got the second-best offense in the league, scoring three goals per match. Team-leading scorer with five is... uh, 
uh, Adama uh, Treore. I wanted to make sure I get mine fast. He's on the right syllables there. I think I'm getting it right. He is from Mali and plays left winger for them, has an assist on the year as well. He was with Moldovan Power FC Sharif until, or Sheriff until fairly recently. And guess what? We actually have a USA connection. He's not exactly on the U.S. men's national team radar, but nevertheless, there he is in Europe. Henry Wingo plays midfielder for them. Used to be with the Seattle Sounders here in Major League Soccer. Team's current form, they have four straight wins across all competitions with a very impressive in its own regard 13-3 and goal differential. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. And now for a match from the group stage of the Tertiary International Tournament in Europe, the Europa Conference League, where they are also divided into groups of four. They are one match into the group stage, just like the other ones. The winners will all advance to the knockout stage. The second place finishers, just like in the Europa League, they will advance on to a little playoff round for the right to move on into the knockout round. Interestingly, the match that I found most intriguing is one of the only ones that isn't going to be televised here in the States. Most of the matches are being covered on uh, CBS Sports Network, uh, a.k.a. Paramount Plus, but not this one. That Maybe they're just not as interested in teams from the summer leagues of Northern Europe. We're going to take a look at Jurgarden out of Sweden versus Molde out of Norway. Uh, I picked this particular group because everybody's still tied. They've all, all four teams have played one match and they uh, both matches ended in nil, nil draws. So Jurgarden, interesting nickname. They're not like the Boilermakers or something. They're actually known as the Iron Stoves. Kind of cool. The city is really, really cool. And even though I've, uh, looked at your garden before long, long ago, probably, and maybe even all the way back in my website days, I'm really only now starting to understand a little bit more about it. It is a city into of itself, a very, very small one. It's on an Island, basically in the middle of Stockholm. Now there's, uh, Northern Jurgarden, which I still think is pretty small. That's on the other side of uh, the river, one of the rivers that makes up this Island setting, but there's very little residential population here. It's basically all one big recreational area. There, uh, There's a lot of forest areas, a hiking and biking trails, things like that. There's an amusement park. Uh, it kind of has a, but who's rooting for the team? I'm not, I, I suppose some Stockholm residents, but they've got other teams that they can root for. And again, basically nobody lives in this area. It, it's kind of like having a team in the middle of Orlando, but actually in the middle of the Disney world itself, maybe it's a little bit like having a team in Vegas where even though there's a residential population, probably most of the fans that are going to the uh, NFL or NHL games there are visitors from other areas. By the way, Jurgarden means Royal Game Park. The Allsvenskan Liga, their top flight, is ranked number 23, so a fair bit inside the top half of the UEFA coefficients. They have won the domestic league title eight times, Last title was in 2019. Congratulations to them on getting this far. This is the first time they have ever made an appearance in the group stage or event proper of any European competition. Worth noting that this conference league, this is only in its uh, second year of existence. There used to only be two tournaments. 2020-2021 was their last international appearance, and they made the second qualifying round of this event. They qualified for this year's iteration uh, by finishing number three in last year's league. So they had to enter at the second qualifying round. They got here to the group stage by winning in the playoff round over a very good Romanian side, Sepsi St. George, two to six on aggregate. 
In the current league, which is probably like, oh, three quarters over for them, uh, 2022 Wells Liga, they are in second place. Offense is good. They score over just goals per match. Defense is actually even better. They only give up 0.75 goals per match and have the number one overall goal differential. Still a very good chance, I think, of them winning that league. Best player helping them do it for them, I believe, is their uh, forward, Victor Edvardson. Uh, it's not that he can't score, but he is number one in the league on assists. Plays a little bit more like a midfielder. He's got nine of those. Team's current form, they had won three straight matches in league before their draw in the first match of this group stage. And over that stretch, they had a six against one goal differential. And now Molda, which is a town in the west central part of the country, about 30,000 people, just to give a little bit more geographic perspective. Uh, you know how all these, uh, these you know, the three big uh, Black Atlantic or Northern European countries, uh, they kind of run northeast to southwest and get wider east-west as they go along. Uh, Norway has a fair bit of a uh, low, but basically for the last third of the country as you move south and west. And this town is in the northwest part of that lobe, just barely on it, if you will. Anyway, uh, Molda is known as the town of roses. And so their fans, I won't try to say it in Norwegian, but the translation is they are the thorn thicket. I really like that nickname. The elite Siri in their top flight there is much better than I would have guessed to give it credit for. They're ranked currently number 12 in the UEFA coefficients. I think they're about to start sending more teams to the Champions League than just their title holders. This team has won four league titles in the past, all between the years of 2011 and 19. 2020-21 Europa League, they made the round of 16. That's their last international appearance, I believe. Uh, they qualified for this event by finishing in second place in last year's league. And just like their opponents today, had to, had to enter at the second qualifying round. In their league play this year, they are in first place. They've got the best offense, scoring over two goals per match and the number one overall goal differential. Tied for second best in assists is their best player, in my opinion, midfielder Emil uh, Breivik, just 22 years old. Uh, they've also got the number one goalkeeper in the league, in my opinion, in Jakob Karlström. He's got eight clean sheets on the air. Team's current form. Uh, the draw that they just got in the group stage broke a four-match win streak in which they had a 13-against-three goal differential. Bring forth the bonus matches! I say it every week, but this really is probably my favorite part of the show because the matches are all a little bit different than we get in the main 10 and equally true because you've had a say in what they're going to be. How so? In case you are new to the show, well, my handle on Twitter is Soccer Noob USA. And uh, usually on Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, if I fall behind, I put up polls with the candidate matches on Twitter for each of these three explanations coming on them soon. You vote and the magic content gets made. It's a process that really is quite dreamy. The first match we're going to look at is a first versus last place matchup from somewhere in the world that we call the route, 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 route of, 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 of. The week, 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 week. I used to do the echo sound effect myself, but uh, Person Noob feels like she can do it better. And quite frankly, I think she's right. The route of the week match that you have selected 
is one from Tuesday and from Asia. We're headed to the V-League. Yes, top flight in Vietnam, which is the number 10 ranked league in all of Asia, the AFC, Asian Football Confederation. Their winner will go to the AFC Champions League. The second place finisher might get to go to the AFC Cup. On the other end of the spectrum, only the last place team will get relegated, which is a fancy word to say they get kicked out of the league to a secondary division and get replaced by somebody else. They're about halfway through the season, by the way, and your matchup is number 13, Saigon FC, versus number one, Hanoi FC. Uh, Saigon currently trailed number 12, Ho Chi Minh City, by just one point. So there's plenty of hope still left alive for them that they can get out of the quote-unquote drop zone. Hanoi, meanwhile, they lead second place Bin Din by four. Hanoi won when they played earlier this season, 3-1 to one at their place. Now they get to test their medal on the road. Series between these three in recent years has gone the way of Hanoi, as you might expect. 9-4-3 is the record they've accrued. First, your likely roadkill in waiting, Saigon FC, a very young club founded in 2016. Uh, last year, I believe they were in last place as well when the season got canceled uh, roughly halfway through. 2020, they finished all the way up in third place in this league, best they've ever done. They would have gotten to go, in fact, that year, or the next year, I should say, 2021, to the AFC Cup, but it got canceled because of COVID. Interesting side note for them, uh, they have a joint youth academy in the works with FC Tokyo, one of the J-League One teams from Japan, of course. They play in Tong Nat Stadium, which has a capacity of about 15,000. They've got the fourth best offense of the league. It's not a high-scoring league. They don't get much over one goal per match. But that doesn't stop them from giving up goals. They've got the worst defense by a lot, giving up over two goals per game and thusly have the worst goal differential. On the offensive side of things, their best player, tied for second best in league scoring with six goals, is Doe. Merlo, striker, 37 years old. If that name doesn't sound traditionally Vietnamese, that's because he's actually Argentinian-born, but he's been over there so long that they have given him citizenship now. And they assigned him a new name. I don't know if they had to, uh, you know, kind of by rule or law or tradition or what, but his actual given name uh, is Gaston. But now he is simply Do, D-O in English. 2009 through 2011, he actually led this entire league in scoring those three straight years. Team's current form, they're 1-1 one one, uh, in their last two. Or no, I'm sorry, their last match that earned a 1-1 one, one draw, and that snapped a three-match losing streak. So when it comes to the route of the week, we're always looking for reasons to think, oh, how could we actually or possibly get an upset here? Well, maybe Doe Merlot needs to go off. And maybe they have finally found their stride a little bit, not losing a game. <laughs> Laughing at that idea probably is Hanoi FC, founded in 2006, a little bit older. They have won five league titles. Last one was 2019. They've also had five runners-up since 2010. They only moved up to Division I in 2009, so they have been dominant and then some. 2019 uh, Asian Champions League, they made the playoff round. That's the best they've ever done, just shy of the group stage. Uh, they made the two that dropped them down into the secondary turn of the AFC Cup, and they got all the way to the semifinal. That's the best they've ever done in that one. This year in league play, a very well balanced number three offense and defense, and that's good enough for the number one overall goal differential. Although, to be very honest, the top four teams are all very close in that regard. 
Player to look out for, the, for them on the scoring leaderboard and team leader in that regard with four goals is Vladimir Sailati from Serbia. Team current form, well, they just lost a match at home, nil three, admittedly to the number one or number uh, number B team, Ben Den. But just think, if they had been able to hold serve and actually win there at home, they would have a seven-point lead halfway through the season. But instead, we have a race. So uh, on the plus side for Saigon, that means Hanoi uh, just got their nose bloodied really bad at home. On the other side, it means they know they can't fall asleep because now their lead is much smaller. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) Well, I don't think it's necessarily related to the fact that we stole a Prince and the New Power Generation song for our own in-show theme song, if you will. There was a lot of interest in the three polls that we put up for the most meaningless match in the world. Seven of the 12 candidate matches got votes, but only one could win. And it was a Saturday match that you selected from Major League Soccer. We're back home for number 10 of the East Atlanta United, taking on number 11 Toronto from, of course, Canada. Hey, they're Canadian. We call it Canada. That's how we roll. Here's how the table looks. Toronto currently lead Atlanta by one point in the table. Toronto trail number seven, Cincinnati by five. Remember, the top seven teams make the playoffs, so they're quite a ways away from that. Atlanta, in turn, they lead number 14, D.C. United by nine. There's no relegation in Major League Soccer, but you still want to at least avoid getting the wooden spoon and finishing last place. And that is what defines a most meaningless match, that you are equidistant from the glory of playoffs and international tournament berths or from last place or relegation. Just so existential and meaningless. Oh, try not to focus on it. Instead, focus on the learning. Uh, when we, Because uh, let's face it, nobody else is going to be learning about these teams this year. Toronto won when they played earlier this season, 2-1. to one. Uh, The recent series, fairly even. Toronto with a slight edge, 5-4-3 record accrued in their last 12. You can catch this on seven at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN or Bally Sports. I think ESPN Plus is probably it, not ESPN, uh, the flagship. Atlanta. They are owned by Arthur Blank, who owns Home Depot, amongst many other things. The Home Depot, you can do it. They can help, unless you're Atlanta, in which case you've had trouble being significant, and hence hence the reason that you're in the most meaningless match in the world. And as we've liked to do of late, we add in what we consider to be a most meaningless fact. Rosanda Chili Davis, formerly of the uh, mainly 90s, uh, soul slash hip hop group TLC is from here. And the reason that I picked that for a most meaningless fact about the city of Atlanta is because I think waterfalls, if not totally meaningless, uh, their perhaps signature song is the most overrated multi Grammy nominated song ever of all time. Yes. Lyrics were very socially conscious. Wonderful. Musically. I don't think there was anything uh, instrumental. I don't think there was anything special about it really whatsoever. Side note, it also won the MTV Video of the Year that year. I don't really remember it, though, to be honest. Back to the footy. They have won one league title. That was in 2018. Uh, They have been to the CONCACAF Champions League three times, including most recently in 2021. Every time they have made it as far as the quarterfinals, but no further. Last year, they finished in fifth place in the East, 
made the playoffs but fell out in the first round. This year, they have absolutely been injury-riddled. They were supposed to be a lot more meaningful this year, to be perfectly honest. I think a shoe in at least for the playoffs, if not necessarily an Eastern Conference favorite. Uh, the offense, uh, well, just a little bit below average is all. The defense is where it's really hurt them. Uh, they lost their starting goalkeeper very early on. Might have even been the first match. They've been uh, giving up one and two-third goals per match on average. That's a lot in this division. Most meaningless player, or really most average player, but MMP works better for the most meaningless match in the world. A guy that is perfectly average statistically for all the starters on this team, Mateos Rosetto, their Brazilian central midfielder, who came here after five years with Piranha Ense, a very good Brazilian team from back home. He's a really good passer. He's a pretty darn good dribbler, to be perfectly honest. But... He has yet to score a goal, and he's only got one assist. That's the real problem with a central midfielder. It's not like he plays defensive midfielder. He does not offer much in terms of uh, clearances or interceptions statistically. So while not the worst player on the team, he is certainly far from the best. And guess what? He's not even going to be playing in this game. He is injured just like the whole rest of the lot of the the would-be starters on this team. Team's current form, they have lost two straight matches. Yeah, instead of doing the really good players, we do the average ones for this one. And now Toronto FC, they who have acquired a bunch of Italian players for this year in the hopes of being a lot better, but it really hasn't helped them too, too much. Uh, Historically, they have won the league title one time. They also won the Supporters' Shield. That was in 2017. Last year, they made the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal, their most recent appearance, of course. Uh, Well, they played the 2022 one, but they didn't appear in that. They were runners-up in the 2018 version, best they've ever done. Last year, they finished in 13th place in the East, so those new signings have helped them some. Uh, Normally, they might have been in what's going to be the last of the three bonus matches instead of up here in improvement in the most meaningless match in the world. Their offense is better than average. They score over 1.5 goals per game, but their defense, they're the only team in the division giving up more than two goals per match. Just dreadful in that regard. Good for a very middling number eight goal differential. Most meaningless player, Jaden Nelson from Canada, left winger, just 19 years old. One goal, two assists, and 28 appearances. Supposed to be an offensive-minded position. You've got to get a bit more prediction than that, especially from a guy who Canada thinks well of. He made uh, He's made three recent appearances for the men's national team. He's not much of a dribbler either, to be perfectly honest. And for that position, you expect to be good at that. But he is a very good passer. You almost wonder if he wouldn't be a little bit better served in a central midfielder role, maybe. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one in the last three with a 7-6 and six goal differential. And your most meaningless fact from Toronto is how many spellings it's had over the years. If you look at the English and the French, the city's always been spelled in a variety of ways until more modern times. Toronto, uh, Toronto. Toronto, <coughs> Toronto, Toronto, um, Toronton. And the funny thing is, is the word I think comes from the Mohawk uh, native people's language. And unless the K is silent, they actually call it uh, Tkaronto or Tkaronto, T-K-A-R-O-N-T-O in English. So there you go. And now we reach the true end of our podcast road, the third and final bonus match. Game number 13 of the episode appropriately because this is the match of Disappointed! 
the Herculean scorn in Kevin Sorbo's voice is spot on because you got to vote amongst four different matches that involved the worst teams in some top flight domestic league. The one you've chosen is from the Russian Premier League to be played on Sunday. This is the number 15 ranked league in all of UEFA. Yes, they're suspended both by UEFA and by FIFA, so none of their teams as things stand can be going on to international play, but they're still playing. And two of the teams out of this league are going to get relegated. Two other teams are going to have to fight for their Premier League lives for next year in what's called a relegation playoff round or tournament. And your matchup, number 16 in last place, Ural, as in the mountains, versus number 15, Torpedo Moscow. Uh, Torpedo Moscow currently lead Ural by two on goals scored. They have the same uh, goal differential as well as points in the table. Uh, they both trail number 14, Fakel uh, Voronezh, by three points the next team up in the table. And then true safety is represented by the number 12 spot. And that in the standings is held by Orenburg. Currently they trail them by eight. So there's really, I don't think even this early in the season, it's easy to see that these two teams are probably not going to get to true safety. The series between these two year old have had the better of it, accruing a six Oh and three record in recent years. Ural, they are known as the not-so-intimidating bumblebees. Maybe emphasis on bumble as they have been bumbling around on the field. No, I won't apologize because that's just what I thought of. Anyway, uh, the team plays out of a city that I'm going to mispronounce in uh, Yekaterinburg. Uh, Yekaterinburg? Yeah, might be one of those. It's the fourth biggest city in Russia. It has about 1.5 million people in the city pop. In the city proper, it's got the third uh, biggest economy of the major metro areas. It is most known probably culturally for uh, having a lot of what's called constructivist architecture. That was a movement uh, that was very prominent in the probably the 1920s and all through most of the 1930s, I'm going to say. It's very austere, very industrial, kind of think uh, Eiffel Tower sort of look to it where there's uh, although that's got more of a better aesthetic. Things were very functional, very industrial looking, as it were. Uh, last year, this team finished in 12th place. They won the second division in Russia, the Russian Football League, I believe they call it, in 2012-2013 to move up. Not sure if it's the first time they've ever been in Division One, but that's when they got up most recently. This team hasn't won any matches on the year. And they've got a woeful 2-17 and goal differential. Instead of an MVP, here you get an MDPD, as in disappointing, in Alexander Yushin. And yes, I did add a second affix there. Don't care. I was an English major. I get to make up the rules. That might be how it works. Uh, he plays midfielder for them and has not scored a single goal or a single assist in the five appearances that he's made. Uh, not, uh, we don't know if he's a good dribbler or not. He hasn't made a single darn attempt, and that's really something for a midfielder. It's like they're afraid to get this guy the ball. Uh, what few times he has had it, he's tried to make crossing passes and hasn't been very accurate with that either. This team's current form, uh, they got one win two matches ago, oddly enough, but that was in the FA Cup tournament. Uh, not a bad win. It was a home win over league number five, Sochi, that they got 2-0. And now, Torpedo Moscow, they are known as the car factory workers. Uh, their crest, one of the worst I've ever seen, uh, prominent and yet kind of in the background behind some other pieces, 
is sort of a long ovular car that reminds me maybe of the speed racer car that Emil Hirsch uh, drove in the movie. It is absolutely, it's just ghastly, quite frankly. This team used to be very good, uh, but you have to go back to the 1980s and beyond, back in the Soviet era. Uh, since then, not so much so. Uh, they went down, in fact, out of the top division in 2016. Uh, they're only, uh, they just came back up. Their only other season between then and now is in 2014-2015 here at the premier level. Uh, I'm not sure how accurate these are, but I did find a source that says some reports indicate uh, that you'll find the fans holding, uh, maybe outside the stadium, at least a lot of far-right symbols with this group and this team, uh, particularly swastikas as well as Celtic crosses. The team has won three Division I titles in the past, but they were in the 1960s and 1970s. Last European competition appearance they made, uh, 2003-2004, they were in the Europa League. That was right before the start of the now uh, modern era, back when it was uh, a little bit more prominent tournament. They are winless on the league year as well, with an uh, equally bad, nearly a 4-19 goal differential. Their most disappointed in player, Ivan Temnikov, defender, 33 years old. He maybe should have hung it up at age 32. And they have actually had the sense to get rid of him just within the last few days. He got uh, sent over on a transfer or a loan or something to FC UFA, UFA, which last year I believe was a Premier League team. But now they are in the second division. Uh, he hadn't gotten almost any clearances or interceptions for them. And if you're not doing that, you're pretty much just standing around if you're a defender. Uh, team's current form, no surprise here, six straight losses. And instead of sending them off with good luck like we would for any other teams in this particular show, being as horrible as they are, we will send them off in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo. So sweet, Waldorf and Statler, they can heckle like no one else. And that really is how we uh, end things here every episode. This has been number 100 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. I always need to make sure I get in the full title, don't I, daughter? Yes. Yes, because who's the star of the show? Me. That's right. Many people have said you're the muscle of the show. It is so true. Can't believe we've, we've done like 100 of these. 98 we've recorded and then like two were tri twitter threads you see where i took pictures of various things i did but yeah it's been a wild ride so uh after 100 how can i not thank the management for all of his editing and production wizardry uh dan the interno inferno for all of his creative inspirations and efforts to my dad who wasn't involved with this particular episode but has done some character voice work for us on several episodes uh same for voicer guy brian can't imagine having uh, bothered to do a hundred of these without all of you guys. I'd also like to uh, thank the co-hosts of the Bryant and me podcast. Uh, I think we found them on Twitter encounter them when we uh, promoted an episode that had a character that was an odd little triangle shape that was part of the Columbus SC crest. When the ownership briefly changed the name and introduced a new crest, we did something weird with that and anthropomized <laughs> anthropomorphize the triangle. Anyway, thank you guys for helping us promote the show. Uh, without you, we wouldn't have the listenership that we do. 
And so, speaking of listenership, thank you to you, whether you're a longer time listener or uh, somebody who's either brand new to our show, maybe even brand new to the sport. We are so grateful. Uh, daughter, we have been uh, described as a great change of pace podcast. I don't, I know you don't listen to a ton of other ones, but a lot of other shows, to be perfectly honest, not Brian and me, but the ones that are really soccer focused and obsessed they kind of talk about all the same games and the same leagues and some of them are very good, but we've really tried to do something different. Haven't we? Yes. What do you think the weirdest, coolest or most different thing probably is about our show? Sandwich reviews and my grandpa pretending to be that person. (laughs) Yes. As I mentioned, he's done some character work for us and uh, yes, we've enjoyed a a lot of your segments. We've done uh, jokes from the jelly jar, which we might bring back for episode 101. Yeah, we've had your ukulele playing more recently, of course. Yeah, you can strum us a couple notes here in the outro. (laughs) You're getting better and better at that as time goes on. Are you a ukulele noob? Yes. Yes, you're a ukulele noob. Should that be your new name for the show? No, we can. So we're going to do a segment called the ukulele lounge for you, starting with episode 101. How does that sound? And we've done stolen mailbag, lots of different segments. And we're hoping to do, we're hoping to do even more as we move forward into our next 100. Yeah. We're not going to retire just because we've hit uh, triple digits. So anyway, we've really tried to create something unique, a lot of soccer information that's both designed for veteran fans of the game And especially now starting with episode 100, as you've noticed, I'm sure we're trying to do more things, a little bit more term explanation and gear things a little bit towards new listeners as well, uh, while keeping those things short and simple. Uh, We particularly want to focus on that because I think we're going to get more people trying to listen to the show as uh, the World Cup approaches this winter that they're going to have in the, the Middle Eastern country of Qatar. We had more listeners. How exciting would that be? Really yeah, I know. Maybe we could have, instead of the fake commercials that we've been doing sometimes, who knows, maybe we could make a nickel and even get a real sponsor. Wow. What company or person or entity do you think should sponsor the show? Subway. <laughs> you heard of your first Subway. Any particular reason? Because I like Subway a lot. And I, and I will promote them no matter what cost. <laughs> well, I think it would be uh, free to promote them. We could just talk about them on the show. I think you have Subway on the brain because we're going to a little Pops concert later on if the weather holds, and uh, Mom mentioned that we were going to be picking up Subway. Yes, and I want Subway. And you want Subway. I don't know. It's very strange because you don't even, like, eat the sandwich, per se. What is it you like to get? Uh, I, li- I like to eat a veggie sandwich on wheat bread um, with tomatoes, black olives, pickles, and cucumbers. But now why, why does it matter that it's wheat bread? You don't eat the bread. I do eat the bread. The, no, the bread I, is I, basically a plate for you. You eat it like a salad, I t- which I, is I, fine, but I, it's I, weird. I, I, I know. I take off all the ingredients, and then I eat all them, and then, and then sometimes I eat the bread. Sub- oh, you do sometimes eat the bread. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Subway, if you're out there listening to us, uh, you, can do, you can do even better maybe than having starred on an episode Subway's of a Community. You can sponsor us, and I promise our rates are very, very low. Uh, hey, everybody. So uh, we hope to have you on board for episode 101 as our, as our footy coverage maybe gets a little bit stronger, but not too crazy, and we continue with the crazy humor. Until we do it again in a few days, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.